coming up on The Overcoming Life with Jimmy Evans. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, but Noah was perfect in his generation. Well, let me tell you something. If you're perfect, you don't need grace. The reason that we need grace is because we're not perfect. So here's my question. Was Noah imperfect and needed grace, or was Noah perfect and didn't need grace? Because the Bible says God gave him grace. The word for perfect here doesn't mean morally perfect. It means genetically perfect. God chose Noah and his family because the seed of the serpent hadn't hit them yet. talk first of all about four technological advancements the Bible prophesies at the end times. And the first one we're going to find in Daniel chapter 12, and it's advancements in knowledge and travel. Now this is Daniel 12, where I ask you to turn there. And it says, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. And so the angel's talking here to Daniel, and he says, Daniel, seal this book up. It will not be understood until the end times. And here's how you're going to know that the end times have come. Many people will go to and fro. Travel will increase, and knowledge will increase. Well, the, the question is, is that true in our generation? Well, you know, hundreds of years ago, the average person could only go 20 to 40 miles in a day, either by foot or by horse or however they did it. They just couldn't go that far. And if you were on a ship, maybe you could go, if the winds were good, maybe you could go 100 or 200 miles. But then in the 19th century, trains were become, became popularized and common, and they increased travel a little bit. And then in the late 18th and early 19th centuries, cars and then buses revolutionized travel a lot. People could go hundreds of miles in a day. But it was in the 1960s and 70s that the average person could begin to fly. And right now, the average person travels extensively across America and many around the world. And just let me just ask this question, and I want you to see the hands that go up. How many of you have traveled internationally in the last month? Raise your hand. Look at the hands that have gone go up. Okay, now that question, you asked that question 200 years ago. If you had traveled internationally, you weren't back yet. Okay, so <laughs> the, you, you couldn't answer that question. I would have had to say in the last year. And so, yes, we have seen people going to and fro in our generation. This has come true. Well, what about knowledge? Well, this is a, a little uh, excerpt here from industrytap.com. Uh, speaking, it's Buckminster Fuller is the one who created the knowledge doubling curve. And he noticed until 1900, human knowledge doubled every century. Okay. So up until the year 1900, human knowledge doubled about every 100 years. By the end of World War II, knowledge was doubling every 25 years. Today, things are not as simple as different types of knowledge have different rates of growth. For example, nanotechnology knowledge is doubling every two years and clinical knowledge every 18 months. But on average, human knowledge today is doubling every 13 months. But according to IBM, the building out of the Internet of Things will lead to the doubling of knowledge every 12 hours. So in the year 1900, knowledge was doubling every 100 years. Now it's doubling every 18 months, and IBM says soon it will double every 12 hours. And so have we seen the increase of knowledge and travel in our day? Of course we have, in a, in a dramatic fashion, and it's continuing. 
The second uh, technological advancement that had to happen for the end to come is satellite television and the internet. And you're saying, Jimmy, you're telling me that satellite television and the internet is in the Bible. It is. It's in Revelation chapter 11, and this is the story of the two witnesses. I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days, that's three and a half years, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. When they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them, and their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Then those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them make merry and send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. Now this is Enoch and Elijah. These are two men who did not die in the Old Testament. And now they're going to live and be killed by the Antichrist. And here's what it says. They're going to be killed by the Antichrist and their bodies are going to lay dead and the whole world will see it at the same time. Okay. Well, in the 1920s and 30s, John Hagee, the, the pastor in San Antonio, his daddy was a, was a preacher in the 1920s and 30s, and he preached on the end times. And this is before Israel became a nation, and here's what John Hagee's daddy was preaching in the 20s and 30s. He said, the end cannot come until Israel is a nation and all the world can see the same thing at the same time. They thought he was crazy. How in the world could the whole world see the same thing at the same time? This was impossible 50 years ago. But right now, because of satellite television and the internet, if they killed him and laid him in the street, the whole world can see him at the same time. And it says, and when they're killed, the whole world send gifts to each other. That's when you know you're unpopular. <laughs> when people send gifts when you die. And so they are killed, and after three days, they're resurrected and ascend into heaven. And so while the Antichrist is arising Enoch and Elijah are a thorn in his side, and they're preaching the gospel and doing supernatural signs and wonders and testifying to the, to the greatness of Almighty God, and the Antichrist hates him so much he ultimately kills him. But what I'm saying is the, the technology that exists for the entire world to witness the same thing at the same time is right now. It can happen right now, but it couldn't happen before because of technology. The third technological advancement is total worldwide financial control. Okay, so this is the Antichrist. This is Revelation 13. I want to say something before I read this. The, the control that the Antichrist has during the tribulation, and we won't be here. Jesus is coming. We're going to go in the rapture before the tribulation. But the control that the Antichrist has is financial. He has some political power. He has some military power. But the main way he controls people during that time is financially. Here it is right here. Revelation 13, 11. I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. 
And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here's wisdom. Let him who understands calculate the number of the beast, for there's number of a man. His number is 666. Now, so with a cash system, if, if the world is trading in cash, it would be impossible for anyone to control that. You just can't do it because you, you just can't you know, control every person and their money. But you could do it if it was a cashless society and the control was electronic and central. And we're the first generation in the history of the world that could have a central electronic system that one person could control. I was on the phone today with a credit card company. We were having an issue with one of our credit cards. Cameras out shopping, and I was trying to lower the limit. And uh, <laughs> but when I was talking to the credit card company, they said, "Okay, Mr. Evans, it's done." You know what they, that meant? It was done right then. When they were on their computer and they made an adjustment to our credit card, that meant it was done right then. And I have been all over the world with my credit card, and you go up to a point of sale technology, whatever that point of cell technology is, and now we can walk up with our cell phone and tap it. But we have point of sale technology that's electronic, and I go all over the world with my credit card, swipe it, and within an instant, it's approved or disapproved or whatever. All over the world. And so now we have point of sale technology. We also have Verichip technology. And this is a little chip that was approved by the FDA in 2004. Many of your animals have this chip in them right now. So this technology has been around for a while, and you can put all of your medical and financial data on this chip, and it would go in your hand, your forehead, wherever, but all of your information can be on that chip. And remember, this scripture that we're reading here is around the middle of the tribulation, so if the tribulation started today, there would still be several years to put this into place around the world. But understand, this type of technology that I'm talking about right now just simply did not exist 50 years ago, 100 years ago, we are the first generation to see this kind of technology that the Bible said would happen at the end of time. And I want to say one more thing about the mark of the beast. I don't know exactly what the mark of the beast is. There are many different theories on what it is. But here's what I do know. This is Revelation 14. A third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy uh, angels and the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, who worship the beast in his image and who receive the mark of his name. And so we will not be here. We won't have to worry about that. But whoever is here receiving the mark of the beast is an unforgivable sin. It is something that ensures hell to the person who receives it. So it's a very, very serious thing. I want to change gears in this message, and I want to close by talking about something. And you know, in the big scheme of things, this doesn't matter. Now, I'm going to talk about this as though it's true, okay? So I'm just going to talk like everything I'm saying from here on is true. Some of it I don't know is, okay? But, but some, some of it is, absolutely is. But I'm saying it doesn't matter. So if you don't agree with part of this, I don't, really doesn't matter, okay? But I'm saying this because I'm going to make a statement at the end that is very important. Okay, so just 
making a, making a change here. This is Genesis chapter 3, and this is what God said to Satan after the fall of Adam and Eve. The Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, you shall bruise his heel. So God is speaking directly to Satan, and he declares a seed war. He says, because you've done this, you're going to crawl on your belly, and I'm declaring a seed war between your seed and my seed. So there's a seed war. This is Genesis 6, beginning with verse 1. It came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful, and they took wives of themselves of all they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days. And afterward also, it's talking about before the flood and after the flood, there were giants. When the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing, birds of the air. I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. The word for giants there is the word Nephilim and it means fallen ones, okay? So the Bible says that the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they had children, and the result was fallen ones or giants, okay? They, they were different, very, very different, okay? Well, who are the sons of God? Well, now, in Hebrew scholarship and the early church, they believed those were fallen angels. In the pseudepigraphal book of Enoch, Enoch says that there were 200 angels that came down to Mount Hermon and swore an oath to each other that they were going to populate the earth with human women. And by the way, the Mount Hermon means mountain of the oath. And by the way, when the children of Israel came into the promised land at the foot of Mount Hermon was a race of giants that God told them to destroy. And that would be like Goliath and all of his relatives. And so they were there. So who were these sons of God, according to the Bible? Well, Job 1 says this. There was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said, where do you come from? Satan answered and said, from going to and fro on the earth and walking back and forth on it. Well, it says the sons of God presented themselves and Satan came. Well, Satan's a fallen angel. Job 2.1. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came among them also to present himself before the Lord. Again, the sons of God were there and here's a fallen angel, you know, Lucifer there with him. So some people believe that this race of giants was created by fallen angels mating with human women and creating a hybrid race. So you say, well, I don't believe that. Okay, that's fine. Well, here's what we know, though. There's never a reference to a giant ever loving God. And there's never a reference to God ever loving a giant. And the only thing we know about the giants is that God utterly destroyed them every time they existed. When the flood came, there were giants on the earth before and after also. When the giants were on the earth before the flood, God utterly destroyed them. And when the children of Israel went into the promised land, God told Joshua, you utterly destroy every man, woman, and child 
of those giants. Let me say something. My precious Jesus doesn't act that way. That's not like my Jesus. I'm just saying right now. My Jesus is a loving, redemptive Jesus. But when it comes to the giants, God is different. You say, why is he different? Because I don't think he sees them as human. He sees them as hybrids. He sees them in the image of the devil, not in his image. Because that's what I personally believe. But here's what the Bible says about the giants, by the way. 2, Timothy 21, or 2 Samuel 21 says, Yet again there was war at Gath, where there was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in number, and he was also born of the giant. Well, that's yucky. You know, if there's anything worse than being attacked by a giant, it's him waving 12 fingers at you. You know, I mean, that, ugh, that's awful. Well, then the Bible says there was uh, Deuteronomy 3, only Og king of Bashan remained of the remnant of the giants. Indeed, his bedstead was an iron bedstead. Is it not in Rabbah of the people of Ammon? Nine cubits is its length and four cubits its width according to the standard cubit. Well, uh, his bed was somewhere between 10 and 15 feet tall. But uh, listen, his bed was so long that they put it on display. He was born of the giants. He was somewhere around 13 feet tall, most scholars believe. He was 13 feet tall. This, This is a big guy. In Numbers 13, this is when the children of Israel spying out the land, the Now, they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people who we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the Nephilim, the fallen ones, the descendants of Anak, were a part of the Nephilim. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. And they went in, the children of Israel went in to spy the land out, the 12 did, and the 10 came back and said, we were tiny compared to them. We were like insects compared to them. These are massive people. And in other words, everything was pretty normal until the sons of God went into the daughters of men. And then there was a hybrid race that God detested, and he wiped them off the face of the map. Let me go back just a minute to Noah. So here's, a, here's an interesting scripture. And it says here, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Well, there's kind of a contradiction there. Let me show you what the contradiction is. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, but Noah was perfect in his generation. Well, let me tell you something. If you're perfect, you don't need grace. The reason that we need grace is because we're not perfect. So here's my question. Was Noah imperfect and needed grace Or was Noah perfect and didn't need grace? Because the Bible says God gave him grace. The word for perfect here doesn't mean morally perfect. It means genetically perfect. God chose Noah and his family because the seed of the serpent hadn't hit them yet. They had not been infected by this hybrid race that everyone else had been infected by. And so what God did is he came and he gave Noah grace because Noah was an imperfect human being, but he saw his genetics had not been flawed. And so he took him out, destroyed the race of the giants, and began all over again, and then Satan began all over again, and the seed war continued. And when the children of Israel went into the promised land, you remember David fought Goliath, and Goliath was nine feet tall? And Goliath had brothers? They were still there after the flood. And when they were still there after the flood, there was always a war that took place. Let me make a statement. I told you that I was going to say all that I said, and you may agree with what I said. You may not agree with it. Let me, let me read you one more scripture before I make my final statement. This is 2 Peter 4, and this is what the New Testament says about the angels who sinned. 
If God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ash, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who would live ungodly afterwards. Let me also read Jude 6 to you and 7. The angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for judgment of the great day as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth in his example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. And again, I want to go back and say in the Hebrew scholarship for thousands of years and also in the early church, this was their belief that angels sinned, they came down, and a hybrid race developed on the earth. And God detested that hybrid race, and every time he saw it, he de destroyed it or commanded it to be destroyed. Well, why, why am I saying all of that? Because I'm saying there's a hybrid race being created in the world right now. And it's interesting that Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. And we know that some of that is just because the world is corrupt and immoral and it's business as usual in the world. But it could be what Jesus was referring to is this hybridity that we see going on. Human-animal hybrids. The genetic alteration of human embryos. Transhumanism, all of this. So here's, I've said everything that I've said to make this statement. The human seed is sacred and creates humans made in God's image. Man has no right to manipulate or to try to improve on what God has done. I'm not talking about good people using medical technology to help people or cure them. I'm talking about arrogant men taking the place of God and trying to improve and immortalize ourselves so we become our own gods. That's what I'm saying in this entire message. What God has done cannot be improved upon, and we should leave the human seed alone except for helping people. One of the things I love about Bible prophecy is that it's measurable. It's not just intangible and subjective. You know, when uh, Daniel was told, seal this book up until the time of the end, knowledge will increase and people will travel. People will go to and fro. That's only happened in, really in, in our generation, is that knowledge has unbelievably exploded and continues to do so. And People are traveling like they have never traveled before. But there are many, many other things that the Bible says about technology, uh, about the things that are happening in the world right now. Worldwide financial control that I talked about couldn't happen before our generation, but it can happen now. The, the Bible, when the Bible talks about the end times, it's measurable. Israel being back in their promised land. They were gone for 2,000 years, but they were reborn in one day. Isaiah 66 prophesies that. They were reborn in one day, and they're back in their promised land. Jerusalem, Jesus said, Jerusalem will be trodden underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles is fulfilled. In 1967, they got Jerusalem back after 2,000 years without it. That's another Bible prophecy fulfilled, measurable, tangible, in our news every day. And the Bible tells us that this tiny little nation in the Middle East that didn't exist for 2,000 years and has come back, according to Bible prophecy, that the whole world is going to march against them, and that's going to be the final scene of human history? Guess, guess what the most controversial piece of property is in the entire world? Jerusalem. Jerusalem is right now, it is the number one issue of, of foreign policy in America and around the world, 
And this little bitty nation is constantly in the news and constantly on the headlines. You know why? Because God said it and it's going to happen. Everything that God said is going to happen. And I love teaching on end time prophecy because it's measurable and it's happening right before our very eyes. This series that I did called Tipping Point, the message that you heard today, Technology at a Tipping Point, is a part of the entire series. Right now, for your gift of any amount to support us here at The Overcoming Life, I want to give you the video download of the message Truth at a Tipping Point. You need to hear that message. Very important message. It's part of the series. For your gift of $55 or more, I'm asking you to be as generous as you can to support us here at The Overcoming Life. I want to give you the entire Tipping Point CD series, or you can have the audio download. You can have the physical version or the audio download, your choice for $55 plus I'll give you my book, 10 Steps Toward Christ. Really encouraging book to help you in your spiritual growth for your gift of $90 or more. Want to give you the entire DVD series of Tipping Point or the video download. You can be watching the entire series here in just a few minutes uh, for your gift of $90 or more if you video download it. Plus, I want to give you my book, 10 Steps Toward Christ. It'll be a blessing to you. Please support us here at The Overcoming Life so we can keep coming back to you and helping people all over the world. I love to help people. I love to encourage people to live for God and to understand the days that we're living in. You know, if I didn't know the Bible, I would look around the world and just think, goodness gracious, what crazy stuff is happening. But because I understand the Bible, I know, and I want you to know also. We want to get these resources into your hands. Here's how you can get them. We are living in tumultuous times. From world politics to a shaking economy to attacks on morality, we are truly nearing an unprecedented season in world history, but there is hope. In this hope-filled series, Tipping Point from Jimmy Evans, you'll learn the parallels between the world we are living in today and the end times. Live your life, don't stop living, but look up, your redemption's drawing near. Be ready when Jesus, that's all I'm saying in this whole series of messages. Support The Overcoming Life with your online gift of any amount, and we'll send you the full session, Truth at a Tipping Point, as a video download. Receive the complete Tipping Point series on CD or audio download and Jimmy Evans' book for your gift of $55 or more. For your gift of $90 or more, you'll receive the complete Tipping Point series on DVD or video download, along with Jimmy Evans' book. Discover how to prepare for the future and have peace in a world of uncertainty. Well, I've got some good news for you, and that is you have a 100% chance of success in marriage. A 100% chance. Couples with the strongest marriages, they aren't the ones that never had a reason to give up. They're the ones who just refuse to give up. God is still in the business of raising dead things and bringing them back to life. You're not just going to stay married forever. You're going to stay married happily ever after. And that's what we believe when we say that your family has a bright future. Thank you for watching The Overcoming Life with Jimmy Evans. Support The Overcoming Life with your best gift and receive the series Tipping Point. 
Join Jimmy and Karen Evans on February 9th and 10th for the XO 2018 Marriage Conference. Live at Gateway Church in Southlake, Texas, or via simulcast at one of hundreds of churches worldwide. Seating is limited, so register today. Visit exomarriage.com. Take your church to a new level with Jimmy Evans Pastor School. Access the first session for free right now at pastorschool.com. This program is made possible by the generous support of our faithful partners.